welcome to the Amateur Milk Society, a podcast about the highs and lows of mothering in the modern age. We're your hosts, Sinead and Rosie, and we are just trying. Just trying. Join us on a journey from positive pregnancy tests through to school and beyond, as we try to untangle all of those complicated thoughts and feelings that come when you decide to push a baby out of your vagina. Other birthing methods are available. We are average, non-famous mums who live average, non-famous lives. Although if we get famous, we're not complaining. Skittles, if you're listening you can sponsor us because today's podcast is brought to you by a more to share size bag of Skittles. And as I would say, there's not enough to share. I don't think so either, to be honest. We've just been discussing the amount of Skittles that I get through in my house. Which apparently is one catering size bag a week. No, not a week. I said we buy a big, it's a big bag, which ideal for shops. Yeah. So it's a retail bag of Skittles. And we fill up a jar consistently of Skittles because I eat them so often. And we buy one of those bags. And I said, I think I said every few months, but not many months. Maybe two? Maybe every once every two, two months. months? Maybe once every three months. That's how many Skittles we get through. Hi, Sinead. How are you? I'm okay. How are you, Rosie? I'm quite tired as usual. Me too. Well, today I have been the most unorganised person in the world. Rosie had to clean my kitchen while I had a shower. I've had to clean Sinead's kitchen. I've had to sweep up kinetic sand with Darcy's pretend cleaning equipment. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I love you so much, I even took the um, the, the vegetable debris you get in a sink. Put oh, that yeah. in the bin for you. Because oh, I'm so good. I love good. you so much, Rosie. <laughs> but hey, it's fine. We were talking um, to our friends who we spoke about a couple of podcasts ago, the NCT one. Yes. And uh, I'm sure she won't mind me saying this, but mm-hmm. Laura um, messaged us to say about lots of shit and piss. Yeah. Um, so picking a- onions out of the sink feels like nothing to me. No. Because the amount of shit and piss you have to deal with as a, as a mum. And vomit as well. And vomit is like, you, you get poo in your nail and you think nothing of it. Yeah. That's how bad it and is. And it's just fine. You just get on, you just, you just wash your hands and then get on with your day. Yeah. Whereas before, if I had poo in my nails, it would be the end of the world. Yeah, you'd be like, I'm a disgusting human. Whereas now it's just a part of life. It's just how we live now. Yeah, it's just how we live. Pooey nails. Pooey nails. That's who we are. Vegetable debris filled sinks. Um, The other thing I was going to say is that for the last few episodes, we haven't um, introduced ourselves. Like, we haven't said who we are. We've said our names. Because... We're just expecting everyone to like listen to from get from the get go episode I, one. I through. think so. Do you <laughs> I think, think we just think everyone knows our mythology? I well, do you think we need to? Do you think we need to say I'm Rosie? I'm thirty four, nearly thirty. I'm thirty five on Thursday, mate. I'm thirty five <gasps> in three days. I still can't believe you're not having a party. I'm just really disappointed by it. To be honest, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Maybe the big four zero. <laughs> um, I have two children. Ramona's nearly five. Lola is two. And I live with my partner Dave, and we've got a Romanian street dog called Dobby. Who are you? I'm Sinead. I live with my daughter Darcy, who's five. Yes, you've and who I didn't forget about this time. <laughs> yes. Uh, my mum, my dad, my brother, and my poor collapsed dog. That dog, mate, is like <laughs> the ghost of a dog, isn't he? I know. He's so haunted. He looks like bad taxidermy. And it's so bad that they've even put a little bow tie on just to make, (laughs) just to dress it up. He actually wears a bow tie. The creature is so clapped, like all his hair's fallen out. He looks how I feel on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes I look at the dog and I think, no, you're looking a bit better than me today, mate. (laughs) To be honest, 
He looks like how I feel today because it's the Easter holidays and I have to look after both my children. And we're one day into the Easter holidays. One day into the Easter holidays and I'm already really annoyed with them. Both, <laughs> both of them. And you're not both even them. with them. And I'm not even with them now, but I'm still, the rage is still there. Like yesterday, Ramona spent about 10 minutes on, a, 10 minutes on each like toy. So it's like 10 minutes on Play-Doh, 10 minutes drawing a picture, 10 minutes outside on the bike, 10 minutes, oh, I mean, all the fucking toys that she has and then and gets bored 10 minutes on lego yeah it's like what can i do now what can i do now i'm bored i'm bored i can't i can't even i can't so annoying very annoying i mean the first day of the easter holidays we went to the zoo yesterday so we didn't get that much of i'm bored but we went to sainsbury's yeah and darcy's dinner lady from school works in sainsbury's how 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 is she doing that She's just a dinner lady and works in Sainsbury's. Bloody hell, that's I guess. Yeah. Darcy loves her. And so we walked past her till where she was... Scanning. Scanning sure. in Sainsbury's. Yep. And she was just like, oh, hi, Darcy, you're driving your mum mad yet? And I was like, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> We've been to the zoo, but maybe tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, if I, I was with her today, she would be driving me insane because yeah. all she has asked for this morning is food. I, okay, so I was in Sinead's house for about 30 minutes max. And in the space of that time, Darcy had had two yogurts, the innards of quite a lot of cucumber. Yeah. Um, she'd had some Skittles. Grapes. grapes some smoky bacon Pringles. Smoky bacon Pringles. And I think there was something else in there as well that she had. Oh, and she also specifically requested for ice cold water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she did. Mummy, can I have some ice cold water? Oh, Pez. She had some Pez as well. Oh, she had a whole packet of Pez. A whole Pez. packet of Pezes. Yeah, that girl. She's good she eater, can eat, mate. Yeah, she can put it away with the best of them. It's great, though, because my children won't eat, you know, we, we know this about Lola will only eat the innard of a sausage roll. <laughs> like, you can barely get them to eat anything. It's very annoying. What are we talking about today? Today we are talking about... Labour. 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 Labour part two. So yeah. we're going to be talking about... So last week we discussed our birth stories. Mm-hmm. And this week we're going to be talking about all of the other different things that come yeah. related to labour. So we're going to be chatting birth partners. We're going to be talking about birth plans and medical consent. And yes. What else are we going to be talking about, Rosie? Um, well, I think what will be really nice is for us to give a bit of insight into things that we think are important for people to know about labour. Yeah. So it's not, we're sort of going on our experience but talking about it as a generalised thing. Yeah. We're also going to talk about a very um, awful man who was a king in France. We're going to talk about him. Mr. XIV himself. Mr. XIV. <laughs> Mr. XIV makes him sound like the like the owner of a chain of uh, strip clubs. Yeah, he does. Which is basically <laughs> what he is, right? So we're going to talk about him. If you don't know why, then you're thinking... You're going to find out. You're going to find out. If you do know why, then you're probably sniggering. <laughs> What's your week in one sentence, please? If you don't already give blood, sign up to give blood. Oh, that's a nice week in one sentence. Yeah. Tell I me mean, more. I gave blood and it was pretty much the only thing I did last week. Yeah, but it makes you feel like a great human. As oh, well, yeah. Right? I was like, for two days after, I was like, don't ask me for anything. I've done my good deed for yeah. the week. Yeah. I've saved lives. Yeah, I'm saving lives. So can you go away? And, like, for a mum especially, mm. it's a great chance to relax. You're in there for an hour. Are you in there for an hour? Mm, can be. 
And does it hurt? No. I've never given blood because I've got bad veins. I have bad but veins. But you've got bad veins as well. Yeah, and so the people no in there. I mean, this time I had the, the trainee mm-hmm. and she was like, oh, I'm just training. Do you mind? And I was like, no, no, it's fine. Good luck. I mean, she did miss my vein and the other nurse had to come and yeah. give it a wiggle around to find to find it, which <gasps> did make me feel a bit sick. But once you get going, it's fine. Like the needle, mm-hmm. like most of the staff there are so used to it. Like they yeah. do it all day. Yeah. Every day is like put the needles in whatever um so it's fine and then you just watch your blood leave you (laughs) into this little bye bye blood (laughs) in this little bag that's inside like a little it's like a little tub and it tilts and i guess it weighs oh yeah i've seen this i've seen this i always wondered what that was and then it will beep when you've given enough i always think it looked a little bit like um like a contraption you'd get in like mousetrap or something. Yeah. Like and a little then... fun little ride <laughs> for the blood. Yeah. And then after you're done, you get to go and sit down. And then this is the bit where you can take even longer than an hour. Someone will bring you a cup of tea and there's a whole selection of snacks. That's and the, the key. snack selection That's is the key. excellent. Tell me the snack selection. I need to know. There's biscuits so you can have digestives, bourbons, custard creams, uh, cookies, you can have little tuck crackers with cheese oh, inside. Oh, they're good. They're good. You can have crisps and you can mm. have as many snacks as you want. And the mm. stickers. So I picked up a the couple stick- of stickers to give to Darcy. One of them said, my mummy gave blood today. Oh, One cute. Says, my mum is saving lives. Yeah, saving lives, mate. Oh, that's um, good. So if you don't give blood, sign up to give blood. Okay, Sinead, I will try to sign up. I, I mean... NHS blood and transplant are always after me because I'm O negative, so everybody can have my blood. Oh, sure. I think I'm O negative. So that means, like, you're, we're, like, the standard. Standard blood. We're the, yeah, if, I think they give our blood to people if they could go in in an accident and they've not been typed. Sure. So they can just ah, give it to everybody. You're saving real lives, Sinead. And they give our blood to um, preemie babies. Oh, mate. You, I tell you what, I feel really, really guilty about what my <laughs> one sentence is because it's not about saving lives. So that I'm going to task you, Rosie, to sign to up blood. and give blood okay. before the next time we record this podcast. Oh, are you fucking kidding? Yeah. It's Easter holidays. Well, you have to at least have made, the, made the appointment. Okay. You uh, don't have to have given the blood, but okay. you have to make the appointment make before the, the next time we record. Make the appointment. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I will try. <laughs> because no one can deny having your children for a couple of hours. Yeah, I, if you I are think saving that's lives. okay. I never liked the idea of giving blood because I've got bad veins, and it always worried me that it'd be like horrific. But now you've the way you've sold it to me is you get to spend an hour away from your children. You get to lie down. You get to lie down. Yeah, in this cool like uh, like chair thing that it t- tilts all the way like back. Like a dentist chair. No, not like a dentist chair. It's oh. like a, it's like a little roller coaster. So you sit in the chair, and then they put you like halfway back, and then they and recline you, you all the way back, and then yeah. that sounds pretty cool. The worst bit about it is when they test your um, like iron level by doing the finger doing prick, finger prick, which oh. I don't like, and it always bruises me because I'm a baby. Because you're come on, baby. I'm a delicate flower. You are a delicate flower. <laughs> but you get snacks at the end. But I did get snacks at the end. <laughs> what snacks did you have? I had uh, the little pack of two tuck crackers with cheese in. Yeah, good shout. And I had... Some the king of crackers, if the, you will. Yes, I love a tuck cracker. And I had 
chocolate digestives and yes. a cup of tea with two sugars. Yes, yes, please. I think I would have gone for exactly the same thing, but also a handful of crisps because I'm a crisp fiend. Yeah, I mean, I was going to go for crisps, but then I also knew that I was going to take myself to McDonald's for a treat after. I mean, at the moment, over. I will not leave my house without getting myself a little treat. <laughs> yes, because you're a lifesaver. I know. You're a, I feel like I need to talk to you like I'm Alexis in Shit's Creek. <laughs> you're a little lifesaver. Yes, you are. So can you tell me your week in one sentence, Rosie? Yeah, I can. It doesn't involve saving lives. It doesn't involve saving lives. Well, maybe it does. Are you ready? Yeah. The sugar babes were the beginning of a feminist revolution 20 years too early. <laughs> okay. Um, I will continue. Explain. Uh, in this essay, I will. <laughs> Welcome to my TED Talk. Um, so the sugar babes, if you don't know, were a very prominent girl group mm-hmm. in the noughties with an ever rotating lineup ever rotating lineup it's like a i mean you could you could write theses on the lineup of the theses. sugar babes theses if you will theses if you will um on the lineup of the sugar babes so the particular um lineup i'm talking is i would say mutia buena but i would say it's the the most popular mutia it's your Keisha mutia, and heidi Keisha and heidi yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. Mutya, Keisha, Heidi. They're like the Man United. Yeah. Uh, the Man United of the Sugar Babes lineup. Yeah. And what I'm talking about here is the video for Freak Like Me. Mm-hmm. So Freak Like Me was the 2002 absolute banger, which uses <laughs> a sample from a Gary Newman song. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a fucking great song. Still yeah. stands up to this day. But the video, Sinead, I don't know if you remember it. I would have to be I'll my memory would have to be refreshed I'll, I'll refresh you now okay good so the video is them in a club the three girls in a club dancing and they're doing lots of like sexy early noughties dancing yeah and it's a really packed out club mm-hmm. there's loads of sexy men right yeah and they do which some... there never are sexy men in never normal sexy clubs. men in normal clubs not anymore no. not in Leicester <laughs> No sexy men to grind upon on fun in fan club, is there? No sexy men in Leicester, in at, Leicester all. at all. Um, so they're they're doing the sexy dancing with the men, and then basically what happens is they seduce the men in the club, yeah, and then they proceed to kind of chase them through like dark industrial streets and like <laughs> prey upon them. That's what I do with my men. <laughs> That's how I got mine. No, but they they essentially I like just don't run fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> they get away quite quickly so they chase them they hunt these men down in darkened streets and then like pin them up against the wall but the, the key here is that they seduce them first yeah and then they turn so they turn and then they like chase them they look menacingly at them they scare the shit out of them they like pin them up against walls and then these men are like genuinely terrified <laughs> and what i really like about this is like it's a bit of a flip on the old you know what as women have to go through we have to yeah. walk home with the keys between our fingers just in case someone preys upon us yeah and this video is like these three girls praying praying upon men going look how sexy i am i am come and have sex with me oh no i'm gonna kill you <laughs> it's wonderful it's a wonderful piece of art and um i just considered that this wasn't spoke about <laughs> enough in in 2002 because we weren't talking about that sort of thing in 2002 and now it's 2023 i think there should be a freak like me revival because men need to know what it feels like to be hunted down 
and yeah. potentially killed. We should hunt men for sport, is we what should... Rosie is saying. You know the Hunger Games? <laughs> like that, but just on uh, men. <laughs> we should bring back fox hunting, but instead of foxes, men. I would be totally up for that. Yeah. I think that would be... And men that, are, that wear tweed. Yes. Men that wear tweed are going to be hunted. Oh, you like Oh, you like the hunt, do you? Oh, do you? You like yeah, the hunt, do you? Do you like it on the other okay. side? Go on then, run through that field, see if you can get through that fence. Oh, you're dead. <laughs> um, yeah, how do you feel about that? I feel excellent about that, and I would participate in manhunting. Manhunting. I mean, I am currently participating in manhunting quite a lot. Just not in the kind of, like, Not in killy the homicidal bit. sense. You're not doing the killy bit at the end. No. I suggest that all of you, after this podcast, watch the Freak Like Me video. I will be watching it between recording this podcast and recording the next one. Yeah, I think we should. I think that's exactly what we should do. Yeah. In fact, this is what you should do, all of you, every single one of you. Book yourself in to give blood, and whilst you are giving the blood, <laughs> watch, watch the Freak, Freak Like, like Me video. video. And then all your dreams will come true. <laughs> Enjoy your snacks. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> should we talk about labour? Let's talk about labour some more. So last week we spoke about our actual experience, like chronologically. What actually happened. What actually physically happened minute by minute. And um, I was a bit worried about it because it's quite we go quite in depth and I don't want to scare people. But we had to tell our experiences, didn't we? Yeah, and I think as well it's important, as much as it's important to tell people that you can have these really beautiful and really amazing experiences of birth, it's... Mm. We also need to be realistic. and Yeah. Because a lot of people do have really shitty births. Yeah, they do. And it's never their fault. No, of course not. But it just, that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Yeah. For various reasons. I, so yeah. you need to be realistic about it. And I think that is a problem is that when you go to like NCT classes, a lot of what you're told is really sugar-coated. Absolutely. Nothing really prepares you for like the, the brutality that it can be giving birth yeah and I think that's where I think this is a really nice place to start because I did say this in the last episode like I planned to have a nice birth Mm -hmm. I planned because I thought I was going to have a nice easy birth and that's what I planned for and then when that didn't go to plan all hell broke loose so maybe we'll start by talking about birth plans because we didn't really talk about that in the last episode it's kind of like a bit of a grey area because quite a fairly new concept aren't they birth plans I think I think so. I don't know. I I mean, I spoke to my mum about it and my mum said like she she had a birth plan in that she knew where she was going to give birth. She did want a home birth, but her midwife at the time told her that she was squat. She was rather squat. So they would prefer that she give birth in a hospital. But at that time, it was almost like a a midwife led birthing centre. They had what was called a home from home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the royal yeah i think that's what a lot of hospitals now have yeah so they had like a double bed oh no yeah and she i mean when she had me my dad just got in the double bed and fell asleep because she was in labor for so long oh my god and he was like i've got a headache oh diddums and then the nurse came and brought him some paracetamol fucking hell (laughs) i know my dad is was useless to my mom during her both of her labor experiences unbelievable like dave He's too scared to mention the fact that I hurt him during our, <laughs> my labours, like like squeezing his hands too hard, because he knows that if he was to complain about it, I'd drop kick him out of the house. <laughs> yeah, no more. And your dad's like, I've got a headache. Yeah. 
Okay, well, imagine imagine that head being pushed through a vagina. <laughs> exactly. Wow. But she knew that she was... she So she chose to do this home from home birth. Mm. And she knew that she would be going in. And she doesn't like hospitals. Yeah. So she was like, I want nothing. Okay. I don't want yeah, yeah. epidural. I, don't, I want as little hospital stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. as possible. So I think maybe there was a birth... She did have a birth plan, but it wasn't a thing to have a birth plan if that makes sense well one of the things i'd like to mention is um a book that i read when i was pregnant with ramona it's called the positive birth book by millie hill that was a really useful book i would i recommend anyone read it the you know the clues in the name positive birth book it's just about having a trying to have a positive experience and ways in which you can do that and there's a massive section on it on birth plans and I took that quite seriously because now you can be very specific with your birth plan, can't you? You can mm-hmm. be like, this is the playlist I want. Yeah. This is, you know, yeah. I want this affirmation. I want plastered on scented my wall. candles. Yeah. It must be a neon scented candle or I'm not <laughs> having the baby. Um, but you can, yeah, you can be really specific about like consent and what you want th- people to ask you. For example, if you don't like the word contraction because it's quite a negative word, you can ask your midwives to use the word surge instead, which is quite nice. Um, but here's the thing about birth plans. You can be as specific as you like, mm-hmm. but when it comes down, when it's crunch time, yeah, when it's crunch time, that birth plan might need to change. Yeah. And so the reason I wanted to mention it is because I think that we were too specific with our birth plan with Ramona because we planned for a nice birth mm-hmm. and it wasn't nice. And so one of the things that happened is that the midwives respected our wishes to not be like manhandled or like like not ask if we were okay because we wanted to be quite hands off about it and just like left to it. Yeah. And then we were left to it because that's what we asked them to do. And we really needed help (laughs) for quite a lot of the time. But in that moment, it wasn't, it wasn't like, we went, Oh, shall we consult the birth plan and maybe make a few notes and change it? Yeah. We were terrified. And so what I would say about birth plans is like, you can be as specific as you like, but I would recommend being quite vague because your birth plan might change. Yeah. On the day. I mean, I didn't, specifically have a birth so I I guess mine was very vague I'd Mm. been booked in for an induction yeah as I said in the last episode um but I didn't need an induction so I just kind of hung out until they were ready to break my waters and yeah the plan was that I was gonna have an epidural the epidural didn't quite work didn't quite go to plan yes the epidurals didn't work for either of us did they (laughs) those epidurals were not wonderful uh, for us I was so kind of bewildered by what was going on in general mm. that I was very happy to follow the lead of the medical professionals. Yeah. Well, this is the key, isn't it, right? So reading the positive birth book and like kind of wanting to experience a positive birth, as you say, it can be done. It, I did it with Ola. And that whole idea of like being in a safe space, feeling that oxytocin, it works. I promise you it works because I did it, it happened to me. Yeah. But that safe place... And that feeling of like being loved or all of those things that make you feel safe and lovely, which will make your birth easier, are different for everyone. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's not being in a hospital environment and it's being at home with the people I love and like being quite quiet and dark and like listening to my music. But for someone else, it might be I feel safer in a hospital surrounded by doctors. Yeah. And you might feel safe in that environment and therefore your birth will be better for that reason, if you know what I mean. So they talk a lot about oxytocin and that the love hormone in helping you give birth. And I don't think it spoke about enough because so many 
births are kind of like medically intervened with. I don't know if that's the right way of putting it, but yeah. like medicalized, medicalized. Yeah. So like you talk inductions, epidurals, different drugs that you use, and it kind of kind of pushes that natural hormone to one side. Yeah. Because there's other stuff being used, but oxytocin I think is very important, and it really does help. And I think the problem is, this is why birth plans is a really important thing to talk about, is that not enough people realise, I think, or are told, that you can have a, you can have a nice birth where you feel safe and lovely. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. If you don't feel safe in a hospitalised environment, then you don't have to do it. Yeah, you don't have to be in a hospital environment. And honestly, I think if I was to have another baby in the future, I would want to have a home birth. Yeah, because now I'm I know that I can give birth. Yes, yeah, and I'm confident in yeah, my yeah, ability yeah. to do that. Yeah. Whereas, if I mean, obviously it was an option when I was having Darcy, mm. but for me it was never an option because yeah, yeah. I was like I can't do this on my own. Mm. I need help, and I don't want to be further than three centimeters away from a midwife. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I want to be somewhere where if something is to go horribly wrong, yeah then that can be dealt with so immediately. Here's, here's the thing. I'm going to ask you a question now. That idea that you're... So a quote from Inna Mae Gaskin, who is a lady I'll probably speak about later. She's like the the, the midwife of midwives. She's like the, the mother earth of midwifery and doula ladies. <laughs> that is not the right term. Um, but she ha, she's quoted in saying that humans are the only mammal that doubt their ability to birth, right? So yeah. basically most... All mammals give birth, they don't doubt it, they just crack on, whereas we have the ability to doubt ourselves. And I just wonder how much damage programmes like One Born Every Minute have done to women's confidence in their ability of birthing themselves. Do you know what I mean? You said then, you were like, I could birth at home now because I know I can do it. Yeah. You know, you did it before because you can do it, but you still had that like genuine concern that you wouldn't be able to give birth. Which is mad because you're a mam- you're a mammal, <laughs> you're a human mammal. You can give birth. Yeah, Do you know what I mean, yeah. And I think I mean before I had Darcy, I had watched quite a lot of Call the Midwife. But I think Call the Midwife is quite good. Okay. It's quite encouraging. Yes, because the vast majority of the births shown on Call the Midwife are natural births, natural births and home births at home. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that kind of made me think like this was done at home as the norm for mm. such a long period of time and why it is shows, it not now it show, kind of shows that transition of yeah more women choosing to go into the hospitals yeah, yeah, yeah. to give birth and a lot of the reason is because they're scared community midwifery was underfunded yes yeah so true and people, yeah. when people were moving into smaller yeah. and smaller houses they didn't have yeah. the space yeah a lot of the time some places weren't hygienic enough to give birth in yeah People didn't want to let the community teams into their homes to yeah. check for safeness and things like that. Mm. More people decided to go with hospitals. And it kind of coincides yeah. with more people choosing to bottle feed over breastfeed. Yeah. That kind of t- time spanning from the sort of the mid 60s into the 70s. Yeah. And by the 90s, I don't think any of my mum's friends breastfed. No. My mum certainly didn't. No, it wasn't It wasn't the norm. It's the same as like the co-sleeping thing as well. This kind of westernised view of... Because it, it is only in western countries where it's kind of expected that your baby sleeps in a different bed to you. They yeah. sleep in a cot, often in a different room. And it's like 
this idea I remember watching an episode of QI once where books were sort of like given out about what you should do with your baby and it was literally like if you give your baby too much attention then it will grow up to be a socialist like it was genuinely like don't touch your baby don't show it any love put it in a bed on its own let it cry otherwise it will grow up soft you know what I mean? Yeah. That was kind of the general idea. Neglect your child Neglect or it will grow up soft. Yeah, yeah. And, and it will be a communist. Um, so yeah, that kind of idea, it's that kind of like disassociation with your baby. Yeah. Which is... And then mad. that also coincides with more women returning to, or more uh, women going into the workplace and yeah. it not being a, the man goes out to, you know, be the breadwinner for the yeah. family and the woman stays home to look at the babies. That yeah. that those those three things, like hospital births, mm-hmm. bottle feeding and women going, going to, work, to work all coincide with each other in a very interesting way. Yeah. And it's and, and what is like quite clear is that it is a Western thing. Yeah. If you look at like other continents that like all the women are breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. All of the kids are sleeping in bed with their with their parents. Or there's a lot of countries in which women would have all breastfed, but because of capitalism, yeah. they have been told yeah. to sell more formula. Yes. Yeah, that it is healthier for them to give their baby formula. Yes. So yeah. the, a lot of the like, I mean, form, formula companies are so corrupt in yeah. sort of developing countries because they will give mums mm. enough free milk. For them to wean yeah and then they have to start paying for it yeah i really dislike the advert so in the uk you're not allowed to advertise baby first milk. stage baby milk. first stage formula because it's illegal so they uh, very cleverly came up with follow-on milk which is not necessary is it no we never use i never you don't it. need it but they basically what they do is they advertise milk for six months and uh, six months onwards mm-hmm. but they package it in a very similar newborny way and yeah. in the adverts they show lots and lots of images of ladies breastfeeding yeah. going, oh look it's just as good as this lady's booby and they that's how they sell it so you're seeing that on the telly and i don't think many people's brains are connecting the fact that that's for milk that's for older kids yeah <laughs> that you just assume that it's for formula because the way that they present yeah, it yeah i never realized until i went to nct actually yeah. that it was illegal to advertise first stage formula and if it this is what blows my mind if it's illegal for them to advertise first stage formula then why us why is it still pushed upon us so much exactly and why isn't there enough help for women who want to breastfeed exactly i tell you what while we're getting ahead of ourselves why don't we talk about king louis the x1v (laughs) the x1v i feel like okay so we think it's louis king louis the 14th of france um but i think we should call him king louis x1v because not only does he sound like he has a chain of strip clubs he also sounds a little bit like a hip-hop artist (laughs) x1v we're moving on now there's lots to talk about uh we're going to move on to the actual act of a woman giving birth and and how she does that so I would say if you were to do a poll and ask people how do women give birth, I would say 90% of people will say on my back. On your back lying down. Yeah. Um, I know I did. So that's the given, right? That's the given. Mm-hmm. Well, it's bollocks. Yeah. So when you lie down, it closes up your pelvis by up to 30%. Did you know that? I did know that. Do you know where your baby comes out of? Your pelvis. Yeah. <laughs> and when you lie down, that's closed up by a third. I remember... I think it was you one day described it to me as it's like trying to put a shirt on with 
the buttons done up. Yeah. With one extra button done up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know when you're trying to like, you're trying to get ready really quickly and you're putting a shirt on, you're like, come on, you can do it, you can do it. Like, has just, my head grown? Just undo one of the fucking buttons. That's basically what it is. So the reason that women lie down during labour is because Louis X1 decided that he was quite, in, he, I think basically he was a bit of a pervert. Yeah, he liked to watch. He liked to watch ladies giving birth because it excited him. Mm-hmm. Bit weird. So he, he used to like get, I think it was his wives and probably mistresses as well. Yeah. He'd get them to lie down during childbirth and there'd be like a, I think they used to put like a blanket up. Yeah. That he could like watch through, like a real dirty pervert. And so he was really interested in watching like the literal act of the baby being born. Yeah. And so basically like that my happened. dad, who said it was like watching his favourite pub burn down. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So my dad was what not enthusiastic about watching his children well, be born. Because, because what that means is, is your dad's not a pervert like yeah. King Louis X1V. Um, yeah, so he was really interested in watching ladies giving birth in that way. He wanted to watch the, like the whole shebang. And then because he was the king of France, um, it became fashionable. And it just cottoned on and people just started doing it. And that's literally why women lie down during birth. It's the only reason. There's no medical reason. Well, I suppose there's a medical reason if you're having like an epidural or whatever and you're strapped to loads of, you yeah. know, stuff. But the whole idea of you lying down, I think what's happened is that became fashionable and then that's what everyone did. Mm-hmm. And then it became just very useful for male doctors. Yeah, it makes it more <laughs> useful for medical staff, I guess. To, to see it. To see to it. see stuff. But... You say that, like, oh, it makes it easier for them, but it makes it much harder for you. Exactly, yeah. And I always think that I I did give birth on my back Mm. and I had this such an intense urge to get on all fours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I couldn't because I had so many... It wasn't that I wasn't allowed to. I had so many tubes and wires Mm. attached to me Mm. that I couldn't move and I was trying to roll over, Yeah, but I just couldn't. And that urge is like what we were saying before about being a mammal. That's it's a like mammal. It's, it's a primal thing. It's a primal urge when you're ready to, because they call it to bear down, which is when you're ready to push the baby out. Because even, so even the act of pushing. I mean, I didn't push. I just coughed her out. Coughed her out. <laughs> well, that's better. I think so. One of the books I read, in fact, I think it's the Inner May Gaskin book. And she talks about it like having a poo. Yeah. You don't, you don't actually push. A poo out. Do you know what I mean? It's like you or have you to shouldn't. kind of. You shouldn't. It's like so. It's the same sort of thing. And the whole idea of like pushing a baby out, I think, started when epidurals started happening because you would have to push. Yeah. Because you couldn't feel anything, mm-hmm. so you had to do something physical, because you didn't have the instincts to push the baby out if you can't feel your legs, yeah. right? Yeah. So like, yeah, that whole idea of bearing down, getting on all fours, it's totally natural and. If this podcast does anything for anybody, I would like it to be to encourage women to have an active labour, which mm-hmm. is just having the ability, if you are if you have the ability to, to be upright, moving around, changing position, because it is so much better for you. It is so much better for getting your baby out. It's so much more empowering. It, with, with Lola, it was like, I was just stomping about, mate. I was just stomping around the room kneeling on the sofa, sitting down, like, different positions. If I felt uncomfortable, I got into a different position. The midwives would, like, encourage me to get into a different position so I didn't get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it feels like, because it's not seen ever on the telly, yeah. it's not something you see, it's not something that's really heard of, it seems unnatural. 
but let me tell you it's a beautiful feeling yeah beautiful feeling so i think active labor is something i'd really like people to talk about more please Fuck you, King Louis X1B. Yeah, fuck you, X1B. You weird pervert. Oh, actually, I would like to, at this point, talking of perverts, have you heard of the husband stitch? I have heard of the husband stitch. Oh, mama. When I was thinking about King Louis X1B, I remembered the old husband stitch, which is like something that people laugh about, but actually it's abuse, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. So if you don't know what the husband stitch is, do you want to tell people, Sinead? Go for Um, it. So if a woman was to tear during childbirth um, which is common which is common and you do often need to be stitched up although my mum yeah um she tore when she had me maybe my brother actually yeah um she tore and she there there was a a hole like oh wow about the size of the top of her finger Uh and her midwife I'm sorry, I have to stop you there because the more you talk, the more I think about your dad saying it's like his favourite book for dad. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah, yeah. Poor, poor bloke. So she, like I've already mentioned, does not like hospitals. Mm. So the midwife said, oh, I'm just going to go in and stitch this up. Mm-hmm. And my mum said, no, you're not. No. Get away from me. Yeah. And she maintains to this day. That they did. That, that no, no, that her healing was much better than her friends who had tore similarly oh, and, and were stitched. stitched. Yeah, like she healed She healed quicker. and she said that although it took a little bit longer for her to heal, that it healed better. healed over perfectly where all her friends mm. have like a ridge or a bump Whoa. inside where the stitching was. Whoa. So it's scarred more. And my mum's just kind of over time... Well, yeah, naturally healed. Like, kn- yeah. knitted itself back together again. So, guys, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, when that baby comes out, it is like pushing a satsuma through a paper, paper cut. Is it not? It is, yeah. So sometimes that paper cut gets a bit bigger. I mean, I mean <gasps> so... Unluckily, some women tear... Ooh. Really bad. So, yeah, it is normal to have grazes and tears. It's, you know, it's a trauma on the body. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know... Um, so when you tear, what often happens is that they will stitch you up. Mm-hmm. Or if you have an episiotomy, which is what I had with Ramona, is they purposely cut you to fit, fit the baby through more and then stitch that up. Yeah. And a husband stitch it's is... just one extra stitch to make it tight again. Yeah. You heard that right. For the husband's benefit. So they're basically... Sorry, I am doing <laughs> air quotes. <laughs> Sinead has this uh, wonderful thing of like doing stuff to the microphone I like I think that it's a camera yeah we're being watched through the microphone sometimes if I say something that I think is particularly funny or clever I will look at the microphone look at it like I'm breaking the fourth wall (laughs) yeah like we're Shakespeare um yeah so you basically they're stitching you more so that your hole is more pleasurable for the man when you next have sex that can cause issues I mean yeah and also that's not how vaginas work. No, no, it's insane. The husband stitch is is abuse on yeah. women, and I I think people claim that it still happens. I think literally the definition of GBH. Yeah, it is like that, yeah. and I can't believe that it one did actually happen, and two is like a thing it's that a people thing. joke about. A thing that people not joke so about much now, now, but it is a thing. But I think definitely, kind of when my mum was having kids, it yeah. was like a 
oh, you're going to put in the husband's stitch, blah, blah, blah. Unbelievable. And I just think, that's disgusting. Isn't it? So, uh, going back to the Freak Like Me video. Yeah. Yeah. Type them down. (laughs) Type for those men to die. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would like to talk very quickly about doulas. Uh Uh-huh. Which is kind of in conjunction with home births a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you had a doula. I didn't. So, I don't have much... Would you like me to tell you about doulas? I would love it. Thank you. Because not enough people have doulas. So when I had Ramona, if you listen to the labour episode, then you'll know that Ramona's birth for me was very traumatic. And a lot of that was down to the fact that I didn't feel like I was listened to. I didn't feel like I my my consent was considered. And I was terrified when I found out I was pregnant with Lola because I was like, I don't want to go through that again. And I think what me and Dave both realised is that we had PTSD. Yeah, literal PTSD, and we hadn't un you hadn't unpacked it all yes. yet. We hadn't yeah. unpacked the trauma, and have being pregnant brought all of that trauma back. Mm-hmm. For for the first sort of three years of Ramona's life, we couldn't talk about Ramona's birth without Dave getting upset, like physically, like tearing up. So we just didn't talk about it much because it was very traumatic. Yeah, uh, I yeah, I definitely had postnatal depression along with PTSD from that. Yeah. So it was very And traumatic. I don't think enough people talk about the fact no. that giving birth is, is a, or is. can be an yeah. incredibly traumatic thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And PTSD isn't just for people that have come back from war. Yeah, exactly. It's not just for, like, exploding bombs. It's also for pushing babies out. Yeah. Yeah, so we were really scared. And I knew about doulas, but basically doulas are like birth partners, but they're not medical birth partners. Like professional birth partners. There's a professional birth partner. So you pay someone to be a, a, alongside your partner if you have a partner, but they're essentially there as like a, I don't want to say spiritual because that makes it sound very kind of floaty and hippie. It can be spiritual if you want it to be. So yeah. they're just there to, they're there to help you. They can't give you medical information. They're, they're not medical. They're to advocate for you as well. Advocate for you. They're there to make sure that your birth plan is being listened to. So, for example, when I was legs in stirrups, 10 people in the room saying they're going to pull my baby out and I was shouting, I don't consent to this, a doula would step in between me and the doctor holding the scalpel and say, my client does not consent to this. Step away. Yeah. Which for me felt very empowering to know that I would have that. Yeah. That really. Is, you, it's an option. Yeah. Amazing. So we spoke to lots of doulas and they were all amazing. And it kind of felt like therapy. Yeah. Talking through our birth with these women because they're all amazing. And then basically they kind of just help you on the journey. Our doula also helped in the lead up. So a thing we haven't spoken about is if you go overdue. So if you go overdue. They want to push for an induction, don't they? They want to induce you to get the baby out. If you go over 42 weeks, they want you to be induced because they say 42 weeks plus is dangerous. Yeah. In France, it's 43 weeks. Can you please tell me what the difference is between the humans giving birth in England and France is? French women must just have uh, better... Better placentas. Better placentas. Longer shelf life on the placenta. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they just last longer. Well, it's it's probably all the baguettes they're eating. (laughs) Um... Yeah, so French like women that. don't have a placenta; they just have a giant baguette. Giant baguette surrounded by cheese and wine. That's why they're all beautiful. <laughs> Amniotic fluid is it's, just wine. It's just wine. <laughs> I can wholeheartedly believe that. God, French people are beautiful, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. Um, yeah, so uh, Lola was overdue by forty-two weeks, nearly. It was like the day of forty-two weeks, I think. 
and my doula was able to help me advocate for kind of what I did and didn't want to do and Mm -hmm. gave me the empowerment to say I'm not coming in for an induction yeah I'm not doing it and it just so happened that on the day I was booked for my induction I rang up and said no not feeling it mate because my doula made me feel like I could do that yeah and and I think if you don't have that person advocating for you it's very difficult to stand up to medical professionals because for me I I would feel a bit like I don't know as much I don't know as much as you so I'm just gonna go along with what you say yeah even though it's my body yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. that was it and having someone who is like trained in that and they can tell you you know and reassure you you're not putting your baby in danger if you go over and they give you all of the like literal statistics. They will yeah. give you the actual statistics. What I found in my experience is that medical professionals will give you those stats, but on, on the pre- preference of them. Yeah, they'll bias their they'll information. Bu- yeah, yeah, yeah. You're more you. likely for this bad thing to happen because of this. Yeah. Whereas a doula will go, these are the stats. Yeah. What do you feel? What is the choice you want to make? Mm-hmm. And I'm with you for all of that choice. Yeah. So doulas are amazing. That's all I wanted to say. I'm obviously very privileged that I was able to afford a doula. They're not cheap. It's, you know, it's the same as having a, like, your own midwife. You can get a private midwife if you so wish. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, like, Catherine Ryan, yeah. you can get your own midwife. <laughs> but, yeah, doulas are wonderful. I would recommend sort of, like, speaking to doulas if you're interested just to kind of get a feel for what they are. Yeah. The other thing that I want to mention, God almighty, there's so much to talk about, um, is um, birth reflections. Do you know about birth reflections? I have heard about it, and I do actually kind of want to do so, birth reflections are any any person in the UK um, has the right to do it. So, when you've had your baby, you are allowed to request from the hospital or who, well, it's always hospital notes, even if you had a home birth, it's classed as hospital. Uh, essentially, you can get a midwife to come to your house and talk through your birth with your actual hospital notes, which you don't get to see when you give birth. Of course, they're all like hidden away. So, they can talk through your um, birth with you and unpack some of the stuff you didn't know. So, for example, yeah. why it hurt when I gave birth to Ramona when I had an epidural. Oh, they forgot to give you the top-up. Oh, cool, I didn't know that at the time. Great. Yeah, cool, And, and you. also, you know, things like uh, the reason that... I didn't know that Ramona was back-to-back until I had my, my birth reflections three months later. So I thought I failed at birth. See, I kind of want to do that because I do think that... And I think this podcast, for me, is almost like a bit of therapy because yes. there are things that I... There's a lot of trauma that I have, not necessarily relating to my birth, but everything that, that surrounds whole, it. That whole period of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. lot of it that I just can't remember. Yeah. It's just black holes in my memory. Yeah. I can't remember most of my labour. Yeah. Because finding out I was pregnant was the trauma. Giving so you birth. Were, you were wasn't. In a, yeah. In amongst it all, you were like. I just had the baby and yeah. then. I was looking after the baby and then the baby was a toddler and now the yeah. toddler is a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've still never had the time to go back and unpack all of that. I think I think birth reflections is not advertised enough and I think probably because it's it's just extra for the NHS. So fair enough, like, you know, they don't want to be outsourcing midwives going out and talking to us lot. But it is your right and I want people to know about it so they know they can do it. Yeah. And it is I think from a mental health perspective, yeah. it's very important. Yeah. Because I would say this doing this podcast and telling my story mm-hmm. has allowed me to kind of 
well it's empowered go the back whole thing right re re-feel those feelings yeah in a safe yeah. way with somebody yeah. that i really trust and who's that it's you rosie <laughs> oh thanks babe and all of our lovely listeners as well you're pointing at, at mechanical things <laughs> <laughs> again they can't see us unless they're watching us through secret cameras Oh, I see. You're tapping at the webcam. Yeah, which we isn't like, on. We're not doing like OnlyFans, are we? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Little mm. amateur mill society OnlyFans coming soon. King Louis X one V. King Louis X rated. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, are the amateur milf society. <laughs> yes, you're right. Like, and the other thing as well. So, like, what we're doing is us unpacking things, and it is self therapy for us, and ho- hopefully helpful for the people because they're like unpacking with us. Yeah. So, people that have given birth will Gives be able them to a go through to it, reflect on their own yeah um, experiences as we're talking. Yeah. But the great thing about birth reflections is you get to do that. But not only that, you get your actual doctor's notes, hospital yeah. notes, and a medical professional is with you. So I they would can love give to know breakdown. if they write down like quotes of what you're saying to people. Because I want to know if they're no. all right. Like, no. okay. Sinead requested drugs 27 times in half an hour. I think hour. what Sinead's imagining is that in every single birthing room, there's a lady with a typewriter, <laughs> like, in, like, Taking minutes. like in court. No, I don't think that. I don't think there's Sinead has requested water. I don't think they have time for that shit. But what they can do is say, oh, well, it's a bit like if you're in the dentist, you know, when they're saying random numbers to you. Yeah. It's like someone's next to you going, that means this. That means you've got this sort of tooth. <laughs> and they're just like explaining it to you. Oh, okay. It's really useful. So if for any, I think anyone if who before, wants one. If I ever have another baby. Stop saying if. Just say when. Honestly, Rosie, you know what we have to do in order to produce another baby? You could be the Virgin Mary. <laughs> you never know. Well, maybe if we start OnlyFans, then you'll get some people who want to impregnate you. Yeah. You definitely will get some people who want to impregnate you. I can guarantee <laughs> it. I can guarantee it. But I would do it before having another baby. Yes, I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, if, you're, if you've had a baby and you're either pregnant or thinking about trying... And you've not done birth reflections. It's a really good place to start, definitely. Yeah. I don't know how long, how long you've got, but I'm fairly sure that that legally they have to keep your hospital notes for like decades. Yeah, I think so. So I think, generally speaking, you can do it whenever, whenever you, want, you want, presumably. Because yeah. a lot of people aren't ready to face up to that trauma. No. For a long time after they've. The given only birth. reason we we well we had our birth reflections three months in because I think our health visitor suggested it to us because she realised I was not coping and she was like do you want to talk through your birth with someone that's not me because you're very traumatised and I'm not equipped to deal with it so she was the one that suggested that I think if we hadn't done it then it definitely would have been something we'd done when I fell fell pregnant with Lola for sure Dave said about he was like oh just I just think you should say Rosie that like if you do end up going to hospital you're making Dave sound quite fruity actually (laughs) I just think you should say Rosie. <laughs> he doesn't sound like that at all. Dave is the least fruity man I've ever met. <laughs> In fact, I think he actively stays away from fruit. Um, he says that if you <laughs> stop, I can't. I can't now. <laughs> is Dave going to be fruity in my head forever? Oh no, no, he's not. No, I'm going to stop. Stop. He says. Uh, that like if you if you plan to have a home birth for example and then you go into hospital like we did 
then he felt like essentially your choice is then just get taken away from you. Yeah. So his the difference for him between your home birth experience and a hospital experience is that you walk into a hospital and essentially it's like you're giving your life to other people. Yeah. That's how he felt. Now that's not like that's not to say that every point that of that is, is true. And that's universal experience. Yeah. But for him it was like he would like people to recognise that the difference between a home birth kind of environment and a hospital environment is very much like you come with it. Well, you're going to someone else's house. You know what I mean? You're in, you're in <laughs> no, someone I'm giving else. birth in someone else's house. Someone else's house. So it's like, you know, all bets are off kind of thing. That's how you felt. Rosie, it sounds like your birth with Lola was lovely. So I might come and give birth in your house next time. Do you know what's so funny? When I gave birth to Lola, I had her on the sofa. And then the next day, my brother came round. Yeah. Um, and my sister-in-law came round to meet Lola and now when you, we'll talk about this in the next episode because we're talking about like the, the, the fourth trimester mm-hmm. but I'd just given birth and I was in that floaty lovely because I'd had a lovely birth it was all floaty and lovely and I was sat on the sofa and Billy my brother was on the sofa with me and we were talking and I was like oh I had her there look Billy I had it because we were joking about the fact that he was sat on the sofa I'd just given birth on right and joking about it and we were like oh, oh isn't that funny oh. and then I stood up and what can only be described as like a hemorrhaging amount of blood <laughs> had just leaked out of me onto the sofa and Dave was just like I put those towels out with such precision we didn't get one iota of, of bodily fluid onto anything on our lounge and, and now we've had, it and now we've had the baby and you've leaked blood all over the fucking sofa you could you couldn't make it up you could but yeah my sofa is quite a good birthing birthing chair i guess birthing area birthing area yeah the, we still have the same sofa the blood came out very well with a bit of spray of vanish good um, Excellent. Good yeah, if you want to give birth on my sofa you're very welcome oh great very thank welcome you. thank you so much but i while we're on the subject of birth partners my mum was my birth partner. Of course. And I genuinely, if I have another baby, mm. even if I have a partner, yeah, I will not give birth without my mum. Really? I would, I just, if she's not there, baby's staying in. Tell me why. Because my mum is the most practical person I know. Oh, yeah, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. And She's my good mom, in a crisis. Yeah, and I know my mum would advocate for me yeah. if I needed it. And she would not give a shit. She'd be like, yeah. yeah. She would, yeah. she, and when I'm not able to advocate for myself, she knows what I want. I, if I have another child, which I'm not going to, by the way, because two is definitely enough, <laughs> um, I'd probably have Dee as a birth partner too. She was a great Much birth cheaper partner. than a doula. <laughs> she was a great birth partner. She'd done it before. Mm. I mean, she will say that, she doesn't want to be in the room when I give birth next time, but... She will. She will. Of course she will. And there's no one I trust more than my mum. Yeah, of course. And yeah, having yeah. her there really made me feel like, you know, it would I be could okay. do that. Yeah, Everything yeah, yeah. is okay. My mum is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I said to the midwife when yeah. she came down to the ward and said, we can break your waters now. I was like, can we wait for my mum to get mom, here? Please. Yeah. And I think... um. I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I do wonder if, like, in a in other kind of cultures, whether that's more likely to happen anyway. I think do so. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. to have your, your kind of 
the, the women in your family with you rather than your husband or partner. I mean, I'm not saying that if I did have a husband or partner, I wouldn't have them there. Well, you'd be allowed to have both of them. Yeah, I would want my mum as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, not to generalise, but I think a lot of men are quite useless. Yeah, they don't know And also, he's the one that's got you in that situation. (laughs) I want to see that face. How dare you? Get out of my room. I was cursing Darcy's biological father's name the entire way through i was like fuck you what have you done to me yeah that's so true i mean i didn't feel like that with dave at all i was kind of like really it wasn't my there, mom's but... fault that i was pregnant so i was yeah, yeah, like yeah. much more tolerant of yeah. her being there absolutely yeah definitely yeah i think as well like men don't know how to deal with like that emo- the emotional side of it quite so well either do they like generally yeah. it's kind of like you're in i mean i say this and I don't say this lightly because Ramona's birth was so horrific and painful. So I don't say this lightly. I would prefer to be the birthing person than the partner. Because the amount like the amount that it upset Dave, yeah. I cannot imagine how horrific that must have been for him. And I know that the trauma that he contains from Ramona's birth is watching me being in pain. Yeah. That's what the trauma is. The trauma is his partner being in that amount of pain, not being able to do anything about it, not knowing when it's going to end and like not being able to help in any way. Yeah. And that's a lot. And I think as well, that maybe is why my mum was such a good birth partner. Well, yeah, because she's although done it. It must be really difficult to watch your child in that amount yeah. of pain. Yeah. But she'd already been through it. She knows yeah. that eventually also, it does end. She's seen you in pain because she's your mum. Yeah. You know, she's had to bring you up. She's been through every single cut and scrape. She's birthed you. She's dealt with you as a newborn. Awful. She's dealt with me as a teenager where teenager. I cried more yeah. than yeah, I did yeah, yeah. as a newborn. Absolutely. So they've seen you. They've like, they're almost desensitised to the pain that you feel because they've had to work you through all of that anyway. Whereas your partner is kind of like, that's the first time that they may have ever seen you in physical pain, for like proper physical pain. And so that's quite a lot on them. And I imagine it feels like a huge responsibility as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, but it's funny because the the when Dave had his little breakdown with Ramona, that was what it kind of like had the reverse effect. He just sort of like couldn't cope emotionally anymore, and that for me was like that was like a turning point because I was like, I'm not gonna, I can't see my man like this. Let's sort this out. <laughs> and then I sprang into action, which is crazy considering I was in the like depths of labour. I know my mum would be a great birth partner. Yeah, I I don't even I wouldn't even need to like I don't even need to say it. She would be wonderful. And I, I hope that most people listening who've got mums would, would feel the same. Yeah. So that's always a consideration, although not a consideration during COVID. Yeah. So I was pregnant with Lola during COVID. And if I had gone into hospital, I might not have been allowed to have my doula come with me, which is yeah. quite scary. Yeah. And I think as well, it was a lot more done in prior generations. Like it was yeah. a normal thing yeah. to have your mum. Yeah. in the Because men didn't men weren't in the birthing room and i think no. in a way i do think it is good now that i would say most dads are there while yeah. their partner is giving birth i would have thought so but i also there's part of me that thinks that giving birth is such a like a divinely feminine thing it really is yeah and women are are the keepers of birth yeah and it's so beautiful to have yeah a room like for me it felt really special because I had a room full, full of, of women. women yeah 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 and I had a little girl yeah and it just felt like a, a celebration that's what it was like with Lola I, I'm obviously so grateful Dave was with me and it made it perfect but there was also three women with me 
and yeah I think what like what I would like people to do and I know it sounds like a really hippie way of explaining it but I just wish that I wish that in western society we viewed birth a little bit more like kind of pagans did yeah as it being like a natural thing that is like you say divinely feminine it is something that we that you can do yeah and it's wonderful that we have medical intervention it is fantastic that we have epidurals and cesarean sections they are saving lives Mm -hmm. and I'm not disputing that in the slightest I just wish we had a bit more empowerment empowerment over our own ability to birth one thing actually that I want to bring up is that I mean I didn't have a c-section but I think that especially the thought now that kind of we're moving into a space of more people wanting more natural births is that c-sections are kind of maligned as being the easy way out yeah or the easy option there is absolutely nothing easy about c-section no of course it's it's a major major abdominal surgery it's major surgery there's a reason that you have to like wear a hairnet and like and like you you can't drive for six weeks after you have have a c-section you You can't can't, get out of bed you're not meant to pick up anything heavier than your baby yeah for the first six weeks after you have a c-section and i think people thinking oh the c-section is easy no it's not easy no mate and going into theatre mm. in itself brings its own trauma. Of course. Because it's not just pain that gives you birth trauma. Uh-uh. No. No, not at all. Because you feel so out of your depth, yeah, especially yeah, yeah. when it's your first baby. Yeah. You feel so vulnerable and so useless in, at some points as well. Yeah. That that whole feeling that out of your depth is so traumatic in and of itself. I applaud anyone who's had a cesarean section to, to just be able... like allowing like the passing over of like uh you know like other people are gonna have to do stuff for you to get your baby out yeah and i just think that's amazing that women do that yeah and they're doing that for the health of their baby yeah which is incredible and i think the pub like the public perception that it is lazy or they can all go fuck themselves. The easy way out or, you know, yeah. too, too posh to push. Oh, my God. Is, oh, my God. It makes me so angry. It, it makes me furious because yeah. I looked at women that were in on the ward with me after I had Darcy. Yeah. And the women that had had C-sections were having a much rougher time of it mm. than I was. Yeah. Because not only are you trying to establish breastfeeding if that's yeah. what you want to do, not only are you trying to get over the fact that you now have a baby... Oh, yeah. You're also recovering from anaesthetic. Yeah. If you've had an emergency C-section, you're recovering from a general anaesthetic, which isn't easy. It just, it really annoys me that any, any choice that any woman makes about labour and birth. Yeah. And the fact that parts of those are judged. You know, you can be judged for wanting a home birth. You can be judged for wanting a cesarean section. You can be judged for not wanting to lie down. You can be judged for this, like every single part of it. And it makes me furious because what you said then about like birth being a divinely feminine act, it still stands true no matter how you have your baby. Yeah. It doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't matter what choices you made. It is still yours and you are divine. All of you. You are all divine. So divine. And I applaud every single one of you because you're all wonderful. Well done. Mm, That was nice. It was nice, wasn't it? Is that a good place to (laughs) <laughs> is that a good place to do hot chicks talk politics because that was we ended that quite nicely and now we're probably going to get angry again yeah 
Okay. What are we so, discuss- I don't actually know what we're discussing this oh, week. This is exciting. <laughs> You've not told me. Okay, so we're going to basically talk. We'll do it quite quickly because we're, we're on an hour seven. Oh, God, really? Oh, no, madness, isn't it? Absolute madness. madness. We'll do this quickly then. So hot chicks talk politics. So um, the current government have, are rolling out a new antisocial behaviour thing. Policy. Policy. So they're going to, like, stamp down on antisocial behaviour. Now, okay, the first thing that happened is that Rishi Sunak decided to ban nitrous oxide, which is laughing gas. So they're going to make it a Class C drug. Now, the decision to make nitrous oxide a Class C drug goes against advice from the Advisory Council on the Misuse of Drugs. So that's good, isn't it? Good start. Yeah, wonderful. Um, And there's no... So this is a quote. Uh, There's... Where is the quote from? I should probably... Well, I think it was a BBC. BBC, let's say BBC. (laughs) Don't sue me. Uh, There's no substantive evidence of links between nitrous oxide and antisocial behaviour, aside from littering. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Oh, it was Yvette Cooper who said it, yeah. So, basically, they started by banning nitrous oxide, and then they went, and we're doing it because it's antisocial behaviour, and now we're going to roll out a massive antisocial behaviour policy. And this... Why would you waste time and money doing this when you could, <laughs> it would be much better spent, you know, feeding children. Yeah, feeding children, educate, making sure there's enough teachers being paid properly. Yeah. That's, that's another thing. Um, and so this is the main thing for me, the, this whole antisocial behaviour thing. Sure, antisocial behaviour is bad. We get that. We all, we're all in agreement that it's bad. Okay, but but is it really that bad? That's the thing. Is that so? I think it's something like 160 million pounds is going to be going into like addressing homelessness, begging, and graffiti. You know the easiest way to address homelessness: give people fucking houses. I know that when I read that, I was just like, "Sorry, is homelessness a crime?" I didn't realise it was a crime. Under the Tory government, yes, which is madness. So essentially, they're just. They basically just want to police poor people, don't they? That's what this is saying. Um, But the main thing for me is that all of this is happening. So they've decided they're doing this. They're going to... And whatever. Uh, But there's 10,000 fewer neighbourhood police and PCSOs on our street today than there were seven years ago. So who's who's policing it? Mm -hmm. If there's 10,000 less police... Yeah, where's all this money going? So who who's who's dealing with the antisocial behaviour? Is it going to be the people that would have been dealing with like domestic abuse mm-hmm. and that sort of thing? Yeah, are they the ones that are going to be dealing with Violent graffiti crime. now? Yeah. Is that is that what they're doing? That just blows my mind. So we will say there are risks to doing nitrous oxide or laughing yeah. gas. I mean, overuse. I personally am of the opinion that I don't think drugs should be criminalised at all. Any drugs? Yeah, th- it, because yeah. criminalising them doesn't stop people from no, doing of course it doesn't i think we should have a of course it doesn't i think the the thing at the forefront of any approach to drugs should be harm reduction mm, absolutely. and yeah. awareness yeah yeah, yeah yeah and also if people didn't have such fucking miserable lives because they live in this horrible piss land mm. maybe they wouldn't want to do loads of heroin i don't want to take laughing gas if i'm happy <laughs> <laughs> yeah i this is yeah it's like the same thing as like um uh like the older generation complaining about the youth going, oh, well, if you want to afford a house, maybe you should stop paying for like Netflix and avocado on toast. And I'm like, there's nothing left for us to make us happy. Yeah. We need Netflix so that we don't like... Kill ourselves. Essentially, yeah. Like, how dare you? 
So yeah, there are risks to overuse of nitrous oxide. So let's be clear, um, it can slow down your brain and your body's responses. Heavy use can cause nerve damage. I mean, how we're talking heavy use now. We're talking like they're taking it straight out of the can. Yeah. For days on end. Yeah. Um, and it can interfere. So I think the problem is that it interferes with the metabolism of vitamin B12. So that's, I'm just saying that so people know nitrous oxide can be dangerous. Yeah, there are overused. risks. There's risks to everything. But I think the main quote here is there's no substantive evidence of links between nitrous oxide and antisocial behaviour is the key. They just sit in their cars, have a laugh, and then they go home. So I don't know how that's affecting. No. The thing that pissed me off the most as well, this was mentioned in uh, Rishi Sunak's like little spiel that he did about the new antisocial behaviour bill. He mentioned this, I think, three times. He used the words strength... Uh, He's doing this because he wants to strengthen the golden thread that binds us together. I bet it's fucking golden with yeah. the amount your wife's earning for you. and not being taxed for. Yeah. What is this golden thread? I don't know. What, what is this fucking? Because it definitely doesn't trickle down to us lot. No. Let me tell you, the golden thread exists only for people in the elite. I mean, our golden thread is like gold, as in the colour of snot. Yeah. Because it's our yeah, children's yeah, yeah. snot that we binds use, us together. We use the word golden thread when our kids have got the two candlesticks coming down their nose. <laughs> and get, oh, we got another golden thread, darling. Let's get a muslin. And that's what binds us together yes. because we've both wiped each other's children's noses. And also that snot is very binding. Yeah. <laughs> it's like PVA. <laughs> so I think Rishi needs to like maybe reevaluate the metaphors he's using. The, I think one of the biggest problems is that the people that are in government the vast majority of people that are in government do not know are so far detached from what it is like to live life as a normal normal person yeah yeah, yeah. especially rishi sunak yeah i mean i just don't i don't think that a billionaire should be the fucking prime minister i don't think that someone whose wife is worth more than the king of england Should be allowed to tell us what antisocial behaviour is. Someone that can afford to update the national grid to heat his own swimming pool should not be telling me how to spend my money. Oh, don't even get me started. It really annoyed me the other day on the news and like it's laughable. They said, oh, the government are now considering fining fining water companies for pouring so much raw sewage into our waterways and seas. And then the next headline was... Uh, water and energy bills are expected to go up considerably in the next three months. And uh, I remember like hearing it on the radio and Dave just turned to me and went, we're paying their fucking fines. <laughs> we're paying their fines. It's madness. It is unbelievable. Oh, God. Pissland. Honestly, if you're listening and you're not in the UK, I'd really... I'm so love... jealous of you. Yeah. I'm just going to ask you very quickly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Then I go and spoil it all by saying something stupid like I love you of the week, please. <laughs> My love of the week. <laughs> Sorry. My love of the week is food writer Ella Risbridger. She is a food. She So she's got two cookbook cum memoirs. Oh. That I love. Okay. I I'm listening. Adore these books. Okay. With with the very depths of my soul more than your child probably yeah <laughs> they are they are my prized possessions okay they, so both of the books are divinely illustrated oh. um and they're both she seems to understand exactly how i think about food okay because i am extremely sentimental about food yeah you know there's like a dish that will take you back to yeah a specific time and place mm-hmm 
we're and not that... we're not on off menu yet. Shall we? we're, not, <laughs> we're not quite famous enough yet. <laughs> and that is exactly how she writes. Yeah. And every you can tell that every single recipe in both of these books. So she, her first book is called Midnight Chicken, and other recipes worth living for. Ah, oh, lovely. And the premise of the book is that she had severe mental health struggles. Yeah. And struggled with suicidal ideation for a long time and tried to kill herself and mm. when she was in the depths of dealing with that she made this chicken wow and that it just made her feel a bit better yeah it, the small things it got her through to yeah. the next day oh that's beautiful and some of the, that recipe for midnight chicken is my go-to it is delicious it's oh. rubbed with like chili and garlic and oh and ginger and it's just divine she writes about her friendships and how she expresses friendship through food in the most beautiful beautiful way you're making my tummy rumble (laughs) (laughs) and then her second book is called the year of miracles and it's about how her partner um had cancer and unfortunately passed away and it's all of the recipes that she made in the year kind of surrounding his death oh god so recipes that she cooked to you know, make him feel better when he was mm. going through treatment and recipes that maybe her friends cooked and brought over to her when she was grieving. And it's such oh. a, it's a, it's a celebration oh. of love and a, a discussion on grief. And it's just, be, it's so, 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 so beautiful. And I cooked the um, marital harmony sausage pasta oh. the other day. And that sounds amazing. It's so good. It's red onion and sausage and cream and it's oh my god it's just, okay, i'm gonna need those books just divine i'm gonna need to buy those books Thank they you. are amazing that's a good love that's a good love do you can you can you read the love back to me or shall i do it myself uh so what is your and then i go and spoil it all by saying something stupid like i love you <laughs> this week rosie well it's funny because it's kind of also food related but uh, <laughs> on a much baser level um uh, it's Lola's scavenging scavenging abilities. Uh, so, for example, I mean, the girl is amazing, really. The stuff she can manage to scavenge and the stuff she's willing to eat. But things that have come out of my mouth this week are, are things like, um, no, Lola, you can't have a Toblerone. <laughs> and, oh, Dave, she seems to have got hold of the half-eaten Christmas cake and eaten all the icing off the top of it. <laughs> So she just get she just manages to get into the cupboards that have the best food in. We should just move them higher, I guess. Yeah, she's quite small. She is quite small, but the stuff that she comes out with. Yeah, like, you can see the picture of her with the whole to- whole Toblerone. orange Toblerone. I mean, um, that is quite ambitious. Very confident. I mean, that Toblerone is nearly as big as her. It's a, yeah, I would say it's like three quarters the, the size of her, and she's like pointing at going, "Mine, mine. It's not. <laughs> it's not yours, babe. Sorry." And she gets very upset when you take those things off her. I'm like, you're not eating a Toblerone. You're too. Not happening. So yeah, her scavenging abilities. She would be fine if there was like a zombie apocalypse. I wouldn't Until need to. Until she ran out of Toblerone. We should go and scavenge it somewhere. She'd be fine. <laughs> she sometimes puts the dog food in her mouth. She'd be fine. It's a love because I'm not worried about her. She's going to be okay. <laughs> Um, so then I'm going to spoil it all by saying something stupid like I loathe you, Sinead. <laughs> I'm loathing ghosting. Oh God! So Rosie yeah. knows yeah, yeah, because yeah. I have been moaning. Oh, rightly so. I don't feel like you're moaning in a kind of oh, Sinead's moaning away, moaning again. It's kind of like 
why are these people so awful? Yeah, because I am the queen of being ghosted. I get ghosted all the time. You just need to change your taste in men. I get ghosted so often that, (laughs) and this is very mental illness of me, is that when I get ghosted, I tell myself that the person that's ghosted me is dead. Literally a ghost. And I then will be like, oh no, I feel so... And I do this to myself in my own head. I'm like, oh, I feel so sorry for his family and friends. Oh, the grief they must be going through. But then sometimes, in fact, quite regularly, the person that has ghosted me will reappear weeks or months later. And I'm like, oh no, so he wasn't dead. He was just in a coma. He was just in a coma. And because I am stupid, Mm -hmm. I would be like, yeah, of course I'll go on a date with you again. I don't I don't mind pretending that you're not dead anymore. That's fine. I can totally do that. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, but you've got you, I hope you appreciate that that's not on you. Right? That's on these guys for being pricks. Yeah, I know, but it's very difficult to make myself understand that. It's easier just to pretend they're dead and then not dead when yeah. they get in touch with because you. Because pretending that they're dead mm-hmm. Yeah. Gives you an excuse to get upset without feeling pathetic that you're upset because yes. someone goes to you. That's the re- that's it, isn't it? That's the key there is that you're like, I need validation for being upset about this when I shouldn't. You're telling yourself you shouldn't be upset because like you're it's not an invested relationship yet. You've not like you've not been on loads of dates or you're not like a protect like an actual couple. So why am I getting upset about it? I know if they're dead, I can be upset. That's <laughs> yeah. what's happening, right? Yeah. But I, I think that that's totally okay because it feels horrible. I don't understand why people do it. I just think it's disrespectful. It's very disrespectful. It, I think it's mean. And it's, and I think the only thing that I can say to describe it is that it, it hurts my feelings. Of course it does. And I say, like, I do think that the, the phrase that hurts my feelings feels quite childish to say. Yeah, I know what you mean, but it's not. But it, it, it does hurt yeah. my feelings. Yeah, and of course it does. I think... The reason why I'm getting so upset about this isn't because I want to be in a relationship necessarily. I think it's because sometimes I feel like I'm the only single person left on yeah, the yeah, planet. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I felt like that for so many years, though. So many years. And how much older am I than you? Five years? Yeah, so you're fine. You're fine. Because Ramona's five, so it's fine. <laughs> It's totally fine. Yeah, no, I, f- I felt like that for so long. And I remember my friend Sally saying to me, actually, because I was like, I'm so sick of being single. I just feel so unloved and just unattractive. Yeah, and I think that's and... it. I feel like I there's something Nobody about likes me, me that makes me fundamentally yeah. unlovable as a person. It must be me. It has yeah. to be me. The common denominator here is, is me. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like that. But this is what Sally said to me, which I thought was really poignant. And so I will say it to you. Is She said... But are you giving off the right vibes to be not single? Because currently your lifestyle, so I, I don't know if this applies to you, this is why I'm like kind of asking, is like I was planning to go travelling or I was living quite a free life. I know you've got a kid, right? But she was like... <laughs> There's no freedom here. There's no freedom. But she was like, you're not presenting as a person that wants to settle down. Yeah. So, so in that way, she was kind of saying, you are the common denominator here. But not for the reasons you think. It's yeah. not because no one loves you. It's because the literal fibres that you're giving off are, I'm not the settling down kind, I'm off doing this. Yeah. So she was like, you maybe need to reevaluate what it is that you want. And then you might give off the sort of vibes that you actually want to. 
Yeah, I think just a lot of the time I'm thinking like, am I being ghosted because I'm ugly or because I'm <laughs> unbearable to be around? Well, it's definitely neither of those things, but I definitely felt the same all yeah. of the time. And I think the reason why I'm so upset about, like, I have been getting so upset about it recently is because everything else in my life is good and nice. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, this yeah. feels like the last thing that needs to slot into yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To have a, a full life. So, yeah. 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 Because at the end of the day, the, the world is not built for single people. No. It's really sad, isn't it? And it, you'll ultimately always be judged for it, which is yeah. unacceptable. But yeah. And I think, like, oh, I wonder why people think I'm single. And I'm like, oh, is the fact that I'm single what's keeping me single because they're like oh no one else wants her so there must be something <laughs> <Yeah>. wrong <laughs> okay that is insane it's not that no i think i think you um fancy the wrong boys yeah i do have my taste in your men taste in men is, is self harm yeah yeah it is your your taste in men is self harm i think you uh, need to consider an older man and i think you need to consider um rosie told me and i quote <laughs> Stop sleeping with men that you think are attractive. <laughs> yeah, basically, do that. <laughs> you need to like push your boundaries out a little bit, and and I don't know, man. I'm no, I'm no one to talk. I've been through the same thing. It's uh, maybe you could give us some. You listeners could give us some advice. Can listeners, we have a little advice, please? Uh, yeah, if anyone um knows any attractive single men with jobs in their thirties, yes, send them my way. Yeah. Emphasis on the word attractive. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm not ready to start taking Rosie's advice. No, she's not ready yet. She's Sleeping with ready. men that I don't find attractive. <laughs> That's terrible advice, isn't it? Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, please send in your advice because my advice is generally shit. <laughs> um, okay, my... So, say your, it. And then I go and spoil it all by saying something stupid like, I loathe you. What's yours this week? The was an old lady who swallowed a fly? Yeah. <laughs> What's her shtick? I just, okay, the reason it's my loathe is because... <laughs> <laughs> the reason it's my loathe is because there was an old lady who swallowed a fly. <laughs> is it? You're all right. <laughs> we can get through this. You can do it. <clears throat> there was an old lady who swallowed a f- fly. Is a nursery rhyme for children. Yeah. And it involves a woman swallowing animals. Whole. And, and then dying. <laughs> what the fuck? I, and, and they go, right, we've got a book of it, right? And Ramona goes around singing it. There was an old lady who swallowed a fly. I don't know why. I don't fucking know why. Why did she? I don't know why thing. either. This is what I want to know. There's no context to this. There was an old lady who swallowed a spider. And she swallowed the spider to catch the fly. Is she a maniac? Why is that? Why does that make sense? She swallows all of these things to get rid of the things that are already inside her. Why not just make herself sick? Makes no sense. Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. And then she swallows a cow, or is it horse? The last one is a horse because that makes sense. She swallows a horse. She's dead, of course. And that's the end of the nursery rhyme. <laughs> yeah, but nursery rhymes and kids' stories, like the original forms of them, are. All kinds of fucked up. Very problematic. Yeah. But that's the one that's at the forefront of my memory at the minute because Ramona keeps skipping around singing it. And I'm just like, every time she sings it, I'm just like, this 
nursery rhyme. Stop with this horrible surrealism, please. So wrong. So wrong. And it's got pictures in it as well. So it's got this picture of a of a lady. Dead, dead lady. With all these animals inside that she swallowed. What? Um, okay, so the, the idea of nursery rhymes and like children's stories was that they had a moral. What is the moral of this story? Don't swallow a fly because then you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> And the problem with that is, like, sometimes you swallow flies. They're really small. Yeah. I think I've swallowed a fly before. Or is the moral, if you swallow a fly, don't then swallow a spider? <laughs> because no one's doing that. Who's doing that? Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> so that's my loathe of the week. <laughs> so. Should we end it there? Let's end it there. <laughs> okay, thank you so much for listening. What are we talking about next week? We are talking about the fourth trimester next week. Oh, my God. It's going to be very dark dark i mean lots of darkness i mean the the, uh the pampers adverts will have you believe that it's all soft white sheets cotton wool cotton wool and smiling babies babies. it's not it's the opposite of that yeah the absolute opposite it's really uh, really really hard work we'll go through all of that we'll talk about our experiences in the fourth trimester which let me tell you are quite (laughs) in-depth and (laughs) disgusting and scary but we'll also talk about it in general as well. Absolutely. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Yes. At Amateur Mill Society. <laughs> and Facebook. The Amateur Mill Society. And you can contact us via email at at the Amateur Mill Society at gmail.com. It's not got loads of apps before it. It's just, <laughs> it's just the Amateur Mill Society at gmail.com. Oh, wow, my mouth has stopped working. <laughs> give us, give the podcast a rate on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Five stars is the only one you're allowed to do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to do the others. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts if that is your platform of choice. Get in touch on the DMs. Yes, Let please. us know what you're thinking. Yeah. Give me some advice on my love life. Please. Give it, Give us, a, my advice is terrible. We I need it. obviously need it. Listen to, if you've not listened to any of the others, listen to all the others, please. Yeah. Subscribe, mainly. Subscribe, yes. Subscribe. Yes to all of them and we'd better go we're gonna eat some more skittles and then we'll do some more recording i reckon yeah we're gonna have a little snack oh snack. we'll also have to look after our kids at some point it's easter later on it's easter we've got to look after all of our children all of the time and we're very upset about it <sighs> thanks very much guys see you thanks soon thanks for listening bye, bye.